0: welcome to healing the city podcast in the following episode jessica dennis interviews hannah gomez hi everybody thank you so much for joining us today i'm jessica dennis and i'm here with my friend hannah
1: gomez Hi, thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, I'm Hannah Gomez. Um, I used to be a school librarian. I'm now a PhD candidate at the University of Arizona studying children's and young adult literature. Well, and you brought
0: up, so going back to just why so using social media to, to become informed, Um, certainly that's not the only place to be informed and not the only place you should be informed, but I think a lot of people do use, try to use social media for social justice. And so the question for you that we talked about was how, how do you do that? How do you, what's an appropriate way to use your platforms
1: to talk on issues? I think, um, the answer is definitely going to depend on whether you are someone with a lot of privilege or less privilege. but I mean, everyone has some areas of their life where they have more or less of that. Um, so I think part of it is the more people you follow, you know, the more perspectives you're hearing, the more you should consider amplifying before adding your own voice, which is not to say you're not entitled to speak, but if you, maybe have no experience with this thing rather than like rephrasing a person whose identity that is maybe just retweet them or add a like, wow, this is, everyone should read this article, but not, not restate someone else's thing when they've already said it perfectly. And they are the person who's like the authority on the matter. Um, So I think being humble in that way and amplifying and speaking up when you do have the privilege to do so, but not speaking over is mm-hmm. a good place to start because um, there are other times like I have had friends where I've been like, I need you to come in and handle this white nonsense on my page right now because this person is exhausting me and I need another white person to put them in their place. And I have some good friends who are like on it and they go do it. So if you're a person with privilege, there are also places where, I mean, I do this with a lot of like fat phobia and fat acceptance because I'm a fitness instructor and I'm not fat but I also understand that like scientifically and social justice wise, like fat actually doesn't mean unhealthy or terrible or unworthy of love or ugly or any of these things. So when I see someone like being bullied for that, I'm like, hi, like I actually have like multiple like certifications in this area. You should be listening to my friend who actually has this experience. But if you're not here, I can come in as like, you know, I don't do a knight in shining armor, but certainly like as a person who this, you know, close-minded person might be more inclined to listen to. Let me see if I can put you in your place. Um, Which, I mean, I think that certainly takes missteps. I have gotten called out for things, but I think for the most part, I've been good at being humble and maybe reaching out to a person and being like, hey, I was out of line. I, you know, I met well and I realize now that this was not acceptable behavior, you know, just wanted to let you know, I'm sorry, whatever.
0: Well, and it sounds like, um, at least this is is also where I come from, that if you speak out against something, like if you try to correct someone or you're pointing something out, it's not necessarily, you mentioned being humble about it, right? It's not to shame the person. It's like, I'm just trying to help you out. Right. Right. I'm not trying to, like, call you out and call you a a dirtbag. But I just, like, I want to point this out to you. Yeah, I'm calling you in,
1: not calling you out.
0: Right. And that's, and I'll say that again, it's calling in versus calling out. And I think for a lot of people, the the norms of like, how do you speak out in a way that really calls people in into understanding versus calling them out, making them feel shamed and silencing them or immediately causing division. Like we weren't necessarily taught how to handle that and how to do that.
1: Right. So, I mean, you should you should feel honored that someone who's marginalized is willing to reach out to you and tell you that you screwed up. I mean, you know, as someone who's marginalized, I know what it's like to be misrepresented or hurt, hurt or whatever else. So like, when I had a trans student reach out and go like, hey, you did this thing and it was not cool. I was like, dude, thank you for like, thinking I'm a pro, like, thank you. Like, I'm gonna go correct that. And also like, I feel really good that you felt like I was a person you could say that to, like that makes me feel good about like my overall behavior. That you're willing to call out this particular event,
0: right? And then the understanding that it's not about it's not about you personally. It's about this thing or this thing that you've said or the way that you've said it. Like, let's change that a little bit right. so that you can be more inclusive and p- won't leave people out.
1: Right. I think people have a tendency to be like, how dare you call me a racist? And it's like, no, I'm saying what you said was racist. Right. Like, and you don't get to, like, if you have never experienced racism, you don't get to tell me if I'm right or wrong. I am telling you this thing was racist, not that you are a dirtbag. If you keep resisting, you kind of are a dirtbag. But, like, I am telling you this thing because I sincerely would like you to know so that you don't go around hurting people. Because I imagine you're not someone whose goal in life is to hurt people. So, like, I'm trying to provide you with this to help you and to help me, but to help you. And so it takes humility on both sides, too. To accept it, to accept
0: correction, accept someone talking to you about it. But then also humility to do it in a way that is loving and caring and isn't shaming.
1: Right. And I think there... I think there is a place for shaming but yeah it's not the first it's someone who like routinely indicates that they don't care it's not for someone who's just you can usually tell when it's like oh that person honestly just had no idea that that word like was not cool right so like that's fine I'll (laughs) I'll just tell them yeah and then yeah with a person who's like oh snap I did not know that thank you they might you know slip one more time but like you can see when someone's making an effort versus when someone really does kind of just deserve derision. Cause they're like, I don't care about anybody who's different from me. So. <laughs> I don't think there's no place for shaming, but it's like way down the road and has right, to be not the first place you go. Yeah. Shaming has to be earned. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, the last question, and we kind of talked about this, um, is that some people seem pretty fearful either to ask questions or to speak up against racism in favor of or even in in support of people of color. There's this fear of like speaking out and being impolite, rocking the boat or bringing attention to themselves. Um, There's also fear of getting something wrong. And so if I say it wrong, I'm going to get called out for it. And we kind of talked about that, but what would you say to people about sharing their opinion?
1: Um, I would say think about where you are. Like, we don't need you to come into the NAACP and tell us what Black people need because that's <laughs> we're doing that for ourselves over there. Um, so I think think about the ways and the places where you can say things where your voice like, really can make an impact, which is not to say only when you're in an affinity group but that's certainly i mean just this morning i was talking to a friend who was like i just made all my bosses mad because i called them out for this racist thing i'm like i don't really care was like, but also like i don't care that i got called out but i'm mad you know that i had to and i was like you know and she's like and then someone you know now i'm thinking was i being a white savior and i'm like no that was allyship you were talking to other white people being like this is nonsense and you need to fix it like that's exactly what you should be doing with your power. And it's not, I mean, it wasn't like some big event, it was like a staff meeting, but still, she was like, this is not acceptable. And I feel like I'm at least socially powerful enough in this group that I can feel fairly safe that like I will get no or minimal retaliation for it. Right. So I think thinking about where am I, If, you know, a person who's actually, like, kind of being, I don't want to say attacked, necessarily, but, like, who's being targeted by this language or this action or whatever, were to call it out, how would it be received? Are they even here to call it out? How might I be able to call it out in a way that, like, people will listen to because I'm considered less threatening or because I'm the only one here?
0: But, yeah, where do you have influence and where will your voice matter and make a difference?
1: Right, where do you have social power? Mm-hmm. I think not even necessarily influence because this friend, I mean, she's like been at this job for two months and is, you know, like way lower than like the CEOs and stuff. But she was like, but I do have enough social power that like I feel relatively perfect. You know, kind of protected that I can be like, "Hi, I'm just a you know, and that's when you do kind of lean into other stereotypes. like, is it fair that we see like white girls as meek? Not really, but she was like, "I'm gonna lean into that and be like, "I'm so meek, but I maybe think this is racist." And I was like, "Rock on, that's exactly how You should use that. Like you know, people view you as not threatening. like definitely capitalize on that. um. Yeah, and I think there's other places um I don't know if this organization is still doing stuff, but there was this Facebook page called White Nonsense Roundup and it was like specifically people who were like, you know, people of color should not have to continually explain why things are racist. So if like stuff's getting out of control on your Facebook, tag us and like we will come in and be like, okay, do you really need a white person to explain this to you? <laughs> Here I am, white, and I'm going to do this. Which is like hilarious. But another really great thing about it, and you don't you know, need strangers, you could ask a friend to do that, but was that they not only were using their social power as, you know, like another white person to be like, maybe you'll listen to me, but reiterated, your friend right here has already said all of these things. So the fact that you are not listening to them, but you are listening to me, kind of like <laughs> reinforces my whole point. Right. So I think, yeah, so I think there are ways you can kind of use your social power, but underscore by the way, I shouldn't need to be the one who's doing this. You all should have been listening to the person who was, like, bringing this up in the first place. Right. It's a nice way to kind of use your power but not speak over people at the same time.
0: Yeah. I do remember this was, like, probably 2013 or something like that. I was in a for America conference because I, I did Teach for America. And um, it was this co- a nationwide conference, and there was, like, a sub group that met to talk about prejudice and diversity and issues like that. And I I did find myself as one of the only persons of color in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of people were trying to figure out like, how do I, you know, how do I figure this out? And how do I be an ally? Like they were asking each other this. um, And somehow it came up of like, who are you helping? Like, who are the people that you even know that you're helping? Do you know any people of color? Um, And it also came up of like, do you follow any people of color on social media? Like, are you listening to any people of color outside of, you know, outside of your world? Are, Are there any other voices that you're hearing? And before you want to like, jump in and like, save that group, how about you listen to that group? and see what they're saying and see what they care about.
1: Absolutely. And, like, yeah, even if you live in the most homogenous, like, tiny town in America, like, just grab an issue of Essence and read it just to see, like, what people are talking about. And, yeah, this is where Twitter is great and where reading books is great. And, yeah, just maybe, like, try a new channel on Spotify or, you know, listen to a new podcast. Like, there are so many ways to create a community even if you can't physically because you literally do not have access to people, but social media gives you a way to like enter a community enough to at least like see what they care about without having to ask permission because Twitter, anyone posting on Twitter is saying you are welcome to read my thoughts, not you need an invitation. That's what the platform is. And I think people struggle with that sometimes because Facebook is so different
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and they're like, well, I wouldn't just like, friend a stranger and it's like, no of course not that's yeah. very creepy but <laughs> twitter is already there and like the the supposition is anybody can read this and i won't necessarily know who they are so anything i'm posting here is a thing that i am comfortable with any old person seeing otherwise i wouldn't be putting it so like i think getting over that point of like shyness and just understanding like the parameters of different platforms is important because you don't need to be friends with someone on Twitter to read what they say and value it and learn from it. And yeah. that's really powerful. Thank you
0: so much for your time. Thank you for just helping me on this journey of trying to like help people get into different conversations about important
1: topics. Yeah. And anyone who wants to talk to me on Twitter after they join, because they're totally <laughs> going to join. It's SHG Mclicious. Um And you can do similar things on Instagram. That's such a great place to practice social justice practices as far as like following artists of color or from other marginalized backgrounds and, you know, small businesses and stuff like that. So that's not as much my expertise, but it's certainly a place where I constantly have to remind myself to do that same type of work. Like how many artists am I following who, you know, are different from me and working on that. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for listening people
0: out there you've been listening to healing the city podcast with jessica dennis follow us on facebook and twitter